Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Mental Toughness and Body Show. My name is Rob Evans, and I'm your transformation coach, health strategist, and internationally published author, helping take your life and your business, your health, fitness, mindset, and body from where you are right now to where it is that you want to be. And I'm very honored today. I have a a very special guest. It's Dr. Denise Palapana. He was 2021 Queenslander of the Year. He's a doctor. He's a lawyer. He's a research researcher. He's a disability advocate and just an all-round really lovely guy. Um, Denise, thank you for joining the show. Thanks for having me, Rob. I've been really excited for our chat. Yeah, terrific. So maybe by way of start, maybe just um, tell us a little bit about your story, your journey to get to this point right now. Yeah. Uh, Well, from start to now, I was uh, born in Sri Lanka, Uh, grew up there till I was 10 years old. Um, Me and my family, we lived through the war between the Sinhalese and Tamil people, and also the war between uh, the communists and the capitalist government which was a very violent time. Uh, so we lived there for the first 10 years of my life. And uh, my family was reasonably well off, but we lived with people who were you know, extremely poor. We lived through corruption. We lived through all sorts of those things and uh, moved to Australia on my 10th birthday, which was a great birthday present. Yeah. Um, we lived in Sydney, moved to Byron Bay, which is where I... Uh, Tough. Yeah, yeah, it was hard. It was hard. Uh, and uh, ended up finishing school in Brisbane. And I um, studied law out of high school. Um, and I experienced depression when I was in law school, which was one of the hardest things that I've uh, I've done. And uh, that's what actually led me to medicine because I started to see a doctor. He inspired me. Uh, so I decided to study medicine after law, got into medical school and life was good. And I had a car accident in medical school, which caused a spinal cord injury. And uh, I lost the use of my hands and everything below the chest. And uh, I spent about eight months in the hospital, another four years putting life back together, then fought my way back to medical school and uh, finally graduated Uh and then fought for the job to actually start work as a doctor. But here we are eight years later, and I'm uh, working in the emergency department uh, of the Gold Coast University Hospital. I do some research and teaching at Griffith University. And you know what? I feel so grateful, so lucky. I feel uh, very rich in life uh, for many reasons. And I like to think of myself as one of the happiest people on earth. Yeah, beautiful. Well done. And it's really, it's the the lens that you look through, isn't it? I mean, you know, unlike, oh, I, I don't talk about it a lot on my show, but you know, my journey with my, my daughter and so forth. And you could have a, a very, very deep, dark, negative view about that as you could about where you are with, with your life. But it, it's like, okay, things could be worse. Um, couldn't they so to obviously your like you've gone through you said the uh, the depression and uh, like I my career started out as a uh, like accountant and uh, becoming a chartered accountant I think anyone would understand if you become depressed through that journey because it's so boring but anyway um, you, you don't know at the time uh, 
obviously you're so you're in ed i mean i've spent so much time in it more time in ed than i want to remember and uh, you see so many different cases and there's a lot of mental health issues and and so forth that go through through there so maybe from a personal perspective first of all what what do you think it is that enables you to put on a different set of glasses each day and look through things differently um oh that is it that's an excellent question you know i think um and i often talk about uh the why and having purpose so mm. i think that when i go to work or when when i even have these conversations and when i'm talking to you today i feel that those things have a lot of meaning and purpose behind it and i feel purposeful in doing it so when i go to work and um, do do thing in the ed uh that that's what fundamentally grounds me in that work and when i'm there i feel like okay, this is my why, and this yeah. is uh, meaningful to me. And I think that gives a great deal of resilience and strength and the want to better myself at it. Uh, yeah. So that that's one of the um, biggest things that I go through. But I don't think also that through the day when I do different things, I'm, I'm not sure if I change that much as a person. Um, because I think we have to be ourselves, right? When we go through life, whether it be work, home. And, uh, one of the things that led me to depression was when I was going further and further for myself. So I think while we might put on different lenses to look at things, sometimes it's so important that to, that we are ourselves when we go about life and be genuine. So do you think, were you trying to be someone else, if you like? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. And um, throughout my life, I think that that was one of the biggest points of life where um, I felt uh, that I was trying to be someone else and, mm -hmm. and that distance from who I really was and who I was trying to be. And we, yeah. we see it all the time, right? We try to be something else and it doesn't, doesn't work. So that's a really good point, actually. So what do you, I haven't talked about this with anyone, but what, what do you think then is the difference between uh, like you, me, we're both very self-driven, you know, for success, but maybe we'll come back to like the outcomes that you just said in your why and so forth. But what what is that fine line between having the person where maybe people are watching this right now and they're looking at you, looking at me and saying, oh, wow, I'm so inspired. There's, that fine edge where, okay, I'm going to follow to be inspired, but you've got to be your own self as opposed to being, I want to copy exactly what you are. I want to be who you are. And then that can take you down. Because I think I've done the same thing. Like yeah. on social media, you look at, say, what other people do in my industry and you think, oh, well, I'll go do that. I'll go do that. I probably did that for years before realizing what are you doing? Yeah. And it doesn't work, right? Because... No. Even what we see sometimes, uh, whether it be on TV or social media or what's portrayed to us, it's not real and it's not it's not who people are. And we're all so different. You know, I think the trick in life is to find who we are and to and to come out of that. And when we do that, um, I think the whole world benefits. There is something I want to pick uh pick out on what you said earlier. You know, I think um you mentioned that we're 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 both 
self-driven. But I think when I when I heard about your journey when we first met, um, I think what drives us both perhaps is uh, something bigger than ourselves. And uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And I think that's very closely aligned with. Um, if I liken this to business and and dollars, for instance, let's let's be blunt and talk about business profitability. When when things started to shift for me was I was I was very focused on making money in the business. And if I stood back and was really honest with myself, I'd say, okay, you're focusing on the number of like the dollars coming to your bank account, your profit, and whatever. And yes, you care about your clients, but you've got it the wrong way around. And as soon as I started to say, hang on a second, like my coach says this, you take care of your clients and they will take care of your profits. And when I made that mindset shift, and it's it, it's only slight, it's a slight shift to say, hang on a second, what if I can be the better version of me and get the best possible results for these clients, then the rest will just happen. And that's where I put my focus now. And it's very different. The stuff with Liv, my daughter, then yeah, that's right. I mean, I do some painful stuff there, but I, I have like my coach sitting on this shoulder, she sits on this shoulder and um, my coach says, hang on, this is a passion project. There's no money in this. What are you doing? And Liv says, come on, dad, we can do a little bit here to help others. So they don't have the same experience as me. So it's trying to get that balance, but um, yeah, you've got to come up with a greater meaning for why, why things are happening. And uh, yeah, I think it's absolutely right. You, you're thinking, yeah, the self-driven, but there's another purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I love what you said um, about, um, you know, the looking after your clients and they'll look after you. For me, that's been a thing as well. Um, the first thing was actually discovering myself and um, figuring out who I was because that's what depression helped me do. It helped me yeah. figure out who I was. Um, and there's this little poem, uh, which I love. It says that my barn having burnt down, I can finally see the moon. And yeah. I think someone sometimes for us to discover ourselves, we have to go through some hardship and uh, uh, and that allows us, that, that adversity allows us to find ourselves. Yeah. Um, and then when we find ourselves, when we know what our values and principles are then we can really start to shine and give back to the world and there's been an interesting thing um a couple of conversations that i've had over the last few years as um i suppose as uh i've been privileged and gifted with more things someone uh asked me probably about two years ago oh now that you've um now that you've got to this point in your life are you going to stop being a doctor and now you can, you know, do whatever? And I was like, no, no, because uh, this, this being a doctor and, and doing what I love, everything else flows out of it. Yeah, um, just the beginning. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I think discovering ourselves, figuring out who we are and then living, um, living genuinely and then, uh, giving back to the world that that's that that's what it's been about for me yeah beautiful uh, i think the like the authenticity we're becoming less and less 
authentic with, uh, you know, i.e. genuine you, um, with all the social media stuff. But I would say that for me, in some ways, it's kind of a lifelong journey. Uh, like I'm, I'm 55 and I feel like I have not peaked yet. I haven't found my, you know, my, my best. I've still got a lot more that I, I want to do. And uh, the best version of me in coaching clients and doing that kind of stuff is still uh, yet to come. Uh, but I think I was probably 45 before I started to discover, uh, you know, my true self. And I think there was a lot for me, I guess, now that you've said it, it's now prompted my thinking. There was probably a lot of me trying to be someone else where as opposed to, okay, that's telling me that I'm around the wrong people and I need to get better coaching uh, so that I don't have that, that mindset and focus on the things that are important. I think a lot of the time I had been looking for, so what should I be doing? Like, what are the right things? Because you were, we're always kind of searching for that. Okay. So what's next? What's next? What, what's next? Um, so I, I don't know what your thoughts are on, um, whether you think it's a lifelong journey, but because people could be listening to this and saying, oh yeah, but I haven't found mine yet. So they're lucky that they found theirs. I mean, I'm, I changed career. Uh, I worked for 19 years as a chartered accountant before I started running my own business and then started to live. But then it was probably another nine years into that before I, like I say, just started to discover me. And that's okay. Like I, I, I uh, didn't start medical school till a bit later. Um, and if we look at, so I, I had this um, great opportunity a number of years ago to have a cup of tea with the guy who founded Dilma, the do try it. Oh yeah. 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 And um, he's an incredible guy because apart from tea, which he was passionate about, under the under the hood, he was doing a lot of charity, and um, in our conversation, it came up that he actually didn't start the company until he was in his fifties. Yeah, wow. And it's the same with uh, uh, Colonel Sanders. Yeah, sixty, sixty exactly. something. So I think it's okay um, to take this journey, and but uh, and and just to be, uh, I think the main thing is. You you just mentioned before that uh, hey the trick was you know I need better coaching or something like that, and and it, it's about that it's having the open mind to know that I'm still developing it's a lifelong journey things yeah. will change but I'm going to go on this journey and I'm going to figure it out and it's okay if it takes four five decades six decades seven decades yes but, um, that's that's it. Yeah, yeah, well well said. Now, you mentioned it uh, quickly at the start, but I wanted to come back to it because it was about um, you, you obviously had your injury and then it took you four years to find yourself and, you know, get back on track and then finish your your um, your medical degree and so forth. And I imagine that there was a, a heap of barriers. So maybe we can answer those questions in relation to this one. So what yeah. led you to be um, like Queenslander of the year for, for 2021, because I'm sure there's a lot of resilience and work that you were doing in that process yeah. to be where you are now today, two years later. So I think um, when we think about things like that, I always think it's um, it's about the work and those particular milestones like Australian of the year. It's, for me, it's been a reminder to keep going and to do more. And it's been a responsibility to do that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there, there were a lot of barriers and um, 
I guess two things I can mention on that is one, uh, there, there were people that said uh, many things about me becoming a doctor and whether it's possible anymore and uh, whether it's, you know, there's a lot of uh, pessimism about that. Mm. But it's our life, right? You, you me, um, our listener, uh, everyone on this planet, we get one shot at this life. And at the end of the day, in 10, 20, 30 years, 40 years, whenever, whenever we're going to get to the end of our life, all the people that said no, all the people that said uh, something at this one point in time, chances are they're not going to be around. Like, it's going to be minuscule that one of these people are going to be like, oh, I'm glad you did what I said. Yes. So um, we're going to be at the end holding the bill for our life. And there is no, I, I don't think there's anything worse than having a regret. And I thought, yes. what if I get to 80 and I thought, I I'm wish I just, yeah, what if, what if? So I didn't want to leave room for regrets and I kept going and those barriers, I just thought I'm going to do everything I can to get through it. And if I try and fail, that's okay. But uh, I'm I'm going to try. Yes. And then um, going through all those things, I realized, man, like the world is tough for people with disability for many different reasons. And I just thought maybe this is my chance to do something for others and to make this do my bit to make it a better thing for uh, the kids that are coming. And I met a lot of kids with disability uh, over the last number of years, and they face similar challenges in education and employment. But if um, the journey I've taken makes a small difference for someone in their own journey, then I think that's a win. So that's really what led to these milestones and these points. I think... Uh, you know, kudos to you for for sticking at it because it would be easy to just say, well, do you know what, it's it's just too hard. There there are too many barriers. Uh, but I I think we're very like minded. I was the same. I sat for oh, probably six years on the other side of the fence, thinking, uh, oh well, it's easy to stay here. You know, paid a, a six figure income, and I know what I'm doing each day, and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, well, the other side is, well, I've got to take a big risk and I've got to go back to zero pretty much uh, to start with while I build clients and all that kind of stuff. But then I said exactly the same thing you just said. I said, I, I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, well, what if I had have run my own business? And now being on the other side of that, yeah, I mean, running a business is the hardest thing that I've ever done. I work harder now than I've ever worked ever before and I, uh, I didn't know what hard work was before, probably this last five years. But I look at all the different things. You and I wouldn't be having this conversation if I hadn't made that decision. Uh, like the number of uh, influential celebrities, et cetera, you name it, that I have met and spent time with and they've helped me grow is just phenomenal. That would never have otherwise happened. So when you know that that is what happened and then you had the choice and you could live life side by side, you say, well, of course you would just do that. Why wouldn't you? But it does take a risk, doesn't it? And it's like you said, well, I'm going to try. And if I fail, well, I'd rather do that than fail to try. 
and just get to the end of my life and say, see, what's well, your spineless little punk? You didn't, you didn't even take a try, didn't even try it. But that's right. It, it takes courage and it takes a, a, a brave person and it's risk, right? It's, it, it's, but the greatest risk is not to take risk at all. Yes. And, um, we, we do like comfort, don't we? We, look, we like the safety of a nine to five. And That's you know, right. That's right. Comfortable being comfortable as opposed to being comfortable being uncomfortable, which is where the growth is. It is. Um, and recently, um, I was wandering around with my mum in, in our medical school, which is where I'm joining you from now. And okay. this table that uh, this is the table that I studied from when I was um, going through medical school. And those were long days. There were, uh, I used to wake up at like 3 a.m., used to get to bed at about 12 after being in the, going to the hospital, being a student, then studying and studying and trying to outperform uh, myself. Yes. But um, one of the things that uh, is often not visible about a spinal cord injury is I can't, um, one loses the ability to maintain their body temperature. So in okay. winter, I used to just keep a hoodie or a blanket over my head and drink hot water to keep going until I could wow. uh, finish getting through the study at night. But um, when I was wandering through with my mom recently, I thought, man, I was down to a, I kind of miss that hardship because yeah, when you come out of the end of that, and when you see the result, there's a sense of satisfaction that's really hard to match. Yeah, I think when you put yourself through that over and over again, it's uh, almost addictive. I'm glad you said that. On Monday uh, this week, I interviewed uh, Duncan Armstrong. I don't know if you remember Duncan Armstrong, Olympic gold medalist. And I was speaking to him about the same thing, like the like the work ethic that they have to have like the volume of hours to put into training and the eating and all that kind of stuff. I said to him, how hard is it at the, when you, at that stage of retirement, do you really miss the training because it is so addictive? And he said, yeah, you do. Um, yes, it's hard, but you, you miss it, which is one of the reasons that I love what I do because it is hard and it requires discipline and most people can't do it. And I love the training that I do, you know, my exercise and all that kind of stuff because it's difficult to do, but I like the work ethic and the work volume that is required in order to get the results. And um, so I, and I can relate exactly to what it is that you're saying. And that feeling when you, that moment uh, or the period when you, get that result when you get to the other end it's uh bliss right and yeah, that's right so you yeah. want to keep going um but i think also enjoy the process um and yeah it, it, it's it's just funny how i i think i i kind of miss some of those hardships yes yeah yeah i get you let's um i know you and i uh when we met in person um at the conference we spoke about a couple of things and one was uh well on stage actually which was about you know trying to keep like kids in the conversation we were having keeping kids out of hospital and so forth yeah. what do you think what do you think the biggest challenge that doctors in ed hospitals are facing right now that makes it so difficult for um 
the, I think the two main things philosophically uh, from my perspective, and it could be different when, when my colleagues or other people look into it. One is keeping grounded with that sense of purpose because fundamentally I would hope that we get into medicine to be humanitarians, yep. to uh, help other people, to, you know, someone once said uh, when we were talking about selections for medical school and the interview, the answer uh, that some students give is, I want to help people. And then they're like, oh, that's such a generic answer. But I'm like, that is the right answer. It's got to be why, why we're here. But um, there are all these different uh, pressures through the system uh, yeah. external pressures that move people away from their purpose because it'd be about you know whether we have enough beds or whether there's ambulance ramping or whether there are other things um so i think that disconnects uh us from our sense of purpose and it's important to stay grounded from that because yeah. fundamentally you need to be good at your craft yes uh, and and to be focusing on that meaning behind it. Otherwise, everything's going to fall apart. Secondly, it's leading on from that is um, when there are so many other external factors that are distracting and are not necessarily uh, conducive to the work or what we're doing. Um, when there is pressure, I think it can lead to a breakdown of resilience so I think we have to continue to focus on what we can control rather than what we can't control because we can't control how many ambulances are coming in, how many yes. heads are there, all that kind of stuff. Yes. What we can control is what we do for the patient in front of us and yep. what, we, what we do with our craft. So I think if we can think about those two things, um, I feel that uh well that's what keeps me going yes yeah i think that there's some really great points i mean my observations are that uh yeah very similar to that i think the the system is overworked you, you get the you just get the impression that doctors are under so much pressure they're pulled from pillar to post and i think because of those i don't know i suppose external factors as you you say um, I think people forget that there's a human involved uh, that really needs needs your attention. And I think there's a, um, certainly in the, the eating disorder space, there's kind of a, a one glove fits all kind of thing. And it's like, well, this is the system that we have. You must do these things, even if you don't, and they don't say, even though you don't fit it, we're going to put you through this this system and there just needs to be a little bit more compassion and understanding and probably just a little bit more time to understand the person as opposed to um, talking at the person, if yeah. that makes sense. And, and we, have, we have to be more uh, person-centred with something so intricate and, uh, and sensitive like eating disorders, right? It's, mm. a, it's a human being with the whole world around them uh, that is going through something so difficult and you definitely cannot take a one-size-fits-all approach. Yes, yes. I mean, we could get into a, a whole conversation around eating disorders and the mental health side and, and that kind of stuff, but I, 
let's not go down that rabbit warren um, maybe we'll have another one on that uh, i wanted to ask you uh, what would you say is the most important thing to you right now um so i'll uh go 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 into a uh, little story recently over the last year i um dip my toe into uh politics because okay I was, I was thinking how how can i use what i have to do better and to do out more to yeah to do to do more and to do something for the community and um it was a learning process for me because i haven't been in that world before and uh i was a novice and one of the things I learned very quickly is that um, there is a, a lot of um, there. You, there are so many different uh, things that are trying to pull you in different directions, right? And yes. um, I think politics, more than anything, uh, is something where you might be drawn to be something other than yourself. So. Yes, it's like we were talking about before. It's thinking outside, thinking bigger than just you. Yeah, but um, I, I I quickly learned that, um, or at least I quickly realized that actually I I don't want to be disingenuous to yeah. to 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 satisfy. Uh, and and this is an interesting thing because when you talk to people, um over the last few years, just anecdotally, they're, they're like, oh, you know, I voted for this guy because I feel like he might be, uh, he might be, he might be a uh, crass, but I thought he's actually himself and not lying and being honest, you know, that they talk about. And, and uh, so I think um, we can't be disingenuous. So I want to, I'm reminded that I need to continue to be genuine to myself and to, go through that so that's important to me at the moment so and you're still pursuing it no i don't think so not for the moment i've, I've um and to uh stay on stay on purpose which has been the other thing so yeah. medicine something so meaningful to me and um even the conversation that we're having right now it's flown out of that um so i want to keep staying grounded in that core Thing, yes uh, that that means something to me and to be continuing to get better at it and to yeah. continue oh, yeah. to be a better human being you know i want yeah. to be a better son to my mom i want to be a better doctor to the patients i want to be a better friend I want yeah. to be, uh, and i think that's a never-ending journey so that's that's probably what's important to me at the moment one of my observations of ai and i had a guy on the show or oh, was it last week or the week before about ai and uh, I, I do strongly believe this because I, I, I use it, that it's helping us become better humans if you use it right. And um, I really like that about it because we, we're getting worse and worse. Like you just think about the, the language that people use to each other and the, the anger and the hatred and stuff. And none of that comes out of AI, um, which, I, which I do really, really enjoy the um what you were just talking about there with the the politics side of thing and when it came for uh, kind of putting a ring around a few things we've talked about here 
the stuff with my daughter, um, you have to come up with a greater meaning as to, you know, why she's not here anymore. And I thought about, do I focus on, say, I don't know, let's just say the nurses in where that mainly looked after her and focused on, oh, if only they did this or did that, or if the doctors did this or that. But to me, that wasn't big enough. And it started with some dog therapy and I raised money for dog therapy and stuff. And I thought, I want to have more impact than that because let's just say that I, we worked with, say, even if I went in there and we worked with the nurses and said, look, these words and all that sort of stuff, great. Mm. Then those nurses leave. So it's lost. So what I wanted to do was have a much higher level. So that's when I started going to, okay, so let me meet with the heads of Monash Hospital, which is where she was treated. Let me meet with um, like all the, the highest level people at uh, like Eating Disorders Victoria, um, politicians. Uh, like I wrote to the Prime Minister, he wrote back to me. I've met with so many different politicians now and my name is very well known in Canberra now politicians tell me they all know who you are and so what I'm now doing is advocating for funding for an in-home program that would probably have saved my daughter's life but I feel like that was my decision to do that rather I could have done nothing because it hasn't sped up the healing process but I feel like there needs to be more work done here so that no one else has a child lost uh, like lived to this and it, it just feels right, but it has to be at a high level for me. So I'm still working, still working on it. I think we've got to have about $50 million of funding approved because of LIV, um, but we need more. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's something big, right? That's something that's going to change lives, save lives. Mm. And uh, that's something I, me. I, I do think it's got an expiration date for me, though, because I don't think it's great for me to stay in this space forever. But I also know that it's a journey and you don't know till you get to the next point to know whether that is the right thing or not. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like, a, like how far do I go? I want to raise the funding and then say, I reevaluate and say, all right, do I need to step away now or do I need to step in? Because so many people are coming to me for things in this space and wanting me to do things in this space. And it's like, oh, do I want to do that or do I not want to do that? And, you know, it, it's tricky, but it, it's life's journey, right? Like you don't know whether you might be the next prime minister or, or down the track. You don't know. But right now it's you've just parked it to one side. Yeah, and, and I think it's organic. Uh, one of the things sometimes I think we contain ourselves too much in a plan or a formula which doesn't allow us to grow like life maybe it might it might offer us opportunities that we might be blind to if we're not malleable enough to be open yes and also i i grew up in a country that had a very large buddhist population so um i was raised both uh learning buddhist and catholic faiths but um in buddhism one of the things they say is everything is transient and nothing is permanent so who knows right yeah, well done. Um, two more questions for you. Um, it's The question sounds bad, but I'm sure it's got a good ending. Your greatest failure, and it could be career, anything, a greatest failure and what you learned from it. Oh, 
I, I love that question because it's not a bad question at all. Failure is great. Failure is great. Great teacher. Yeah. It's what, I think the way we frame failure as a um, society needs to be re, rethought. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually there's a book by, I think her name was, the last name Schultz, I think, but it's called On Being Wrong. And the whole book is about why being wrong is a great thing sometimes or most yeah. of the time. Yes. But um, my greatest failure would be it's hard because I, I think everything that I have gone through has been a huge learning experience and I've embraced it. You know, like we could say that maybe choosing law school was a failure. You know, I failed a couple of subjects really early on um and when i was going through depression you could say that was a failure but was it really because then to the next point led me to where i am today mm. so no i think um I, I don't i have failed in my life with um things in the past and things i'll probably fail again but um i don't see them as failures rather i, I see them as opportunities for me to get better and i i still err all the time as they say to be be human is to err and um i i've made errors i'll make errors but um the thing i've learned out of all of these mistakes and failures is not to see them as failures but as learning opportunities yes yeah well said there is something that um, people that know me now would would not say oh come on you're joking but I used to have a lot of negative self-talk, like as a, a child growing up. I'm like I'm a shorter guy. I I was bullied. I was you know I didn't have a lot of self-confidence because of that. Um, didn't have my first girlfriend until I was 23. You, you know I had no idea what I was doing when I got one, and um, but now my mindset is so different. I liken it to there's a scene in Superman where the bullets are just bouncing off his chest and he's just walking forward, you know, and I I feel like that now because there's nothing, including my daughter, that can happen in my life where I can think negatively about it because I ask myself, what can I learn from it? And I refuse to answer it negatively because it's always, oh, you can't learn anything, but I come from a mindset, you have to answer it in a positive way. What can I learn uh, what's the opportunity from it and where's the growth? And if you ask those three questions, it's impossible to uh, be negative about it. You should say, well, how can I grow from a bad experience? Well, you can't grow. No, you can grow. You're just choosing not to grow. How can you grow? Okay. And there are, like I talk about my daughter's illness. I guess if I, I see through all the crap, probably one of the greatest gifts was the amount of time that I got to spend with her as a result of it. Now, yes, it was in horrific circumstances for a lot of it, but I wouldn't have got to, to know her as well as I did because I spent, it was like compressing her whole life in a few years of just spending that time and talking and un- trying to understand her and her getting to understand me. And it was it was such a unique and incredible gift to be able to have that. Um, of course, I wish she was still here so we could continue that. But it was a gift in being able to do, like, have that experience. So 
um, I think you're right. We're all, we're always growing. We're always learning. We're always going to that that next point, aren't we? Yeah, that was one of the most thought provoking questions anyone's ever asked me. So thank you. Yeah, nice. Um, this has been awesome. I before we go, I did want to ask you. Um, uh, you're involved with a couple of charities, so you have some favorite charities. Did you want to uh, tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, the the one that I would uh, love to mention is um, the Best Life Foundation and Helena's House. And um, these charities are, um, are, are, are linked and um, it's about giving young people with disability a shot at independence is yeah, uh, nice. one of the, the things that they do. And Helena's house um, has been born out of the Best Life Foundation. And actually the story of Helena's house, Helena's parents um, are driving this to build a house for young people with disability to use as a stepping tone to, to becoming independent. But um, they lost Helena to, uh, to an illness and um, she was passionate about young people and disability. So that's how this came about. So uh, look it up and- um, Yeah, wonderful. What I'll do is I'll put a link in the uh, description of the podcast so that, uh, that when I post it, people can um, refer to it and, and check it out. Great. Thank you so much for today. I mean, to, just to commend you for all the work that you're doing as a doctor. And I know we've, like, we had a, you know, a, we really connected at that conference. And I can tell that you are a doctor that's coming from a completely different place uh, than you would expect most doctors, perhaps. Uh, and so I think the work that you're doing in this space as a doctor, I thank you for that, for that service. Um, and thank you today for, for sharing like that. This is called the mental toughness and body show, but like your resilience, your mental toughness, what you've gone through, uh, to be where you are today and be so successful. And I, I want everybody to take away like the hunger that we both still have to, to do better and to do our best work. And when you're connected with, you know, in here with what's really important to you, it's not work, is it? not work I, I don't work a day in my life yeah i'm the same people say oh you work so much i say i don't work just, i don't work either it's, i love it it's just the love um thank you so much for today thanks rob it's been great to chat thank you